0: Twitter? You're watching AM to DM. I'm Stephanie McNeil, and I am so excited to welcome Hayes Brown to co-host with me for the very first time ever. First time ever. (laughs) Hayes, I am so happy that you are here, and we are going to do this together on a Friday.
1: I am so pleased, especially to be doing this with you. And let's get this show on the road.
0: Yeah, let's do it. So obviously, we all know and love you here at BuzzFeed News. We've worked together for a long time. But since you're a little newer to our viewers, we were hoping to play a little game with you to okay. get, help our viewers, our AM to DM fam, know you better. Okay. Are you ready? I'm, I'm set. I was than ready. Are you doing it? Yes. Okay. We're going to play a favorite, Tooth Truths and a Lie. All right. So in, l- in case you've never played this game before, which, like, I guess, whatever. <laughs> Oops, that's for weird. Sure. Um, <laughs> you're going to tell us three things about yourself, and okay. one of them has to be a lie. Okay.
1: Okay, okay, okay. let's see. Um, number one, I believe the most perfect movie of all time is Jurassic Park. Uh number two, I spent more than a decade of my life helping run and participating in model United Nations conferences. Okay. And uh okay, number three, I have lived in more than a dozen states in these here United States over the course of my life.
0: Uh, see, I'm not really sure because you said all of those such convictions.
1: I say with a jest you belief yes. in it.
0: <laughs> I mean you're like a really good actor, regardless. I try, I try. Okay. I- I really don't know and I didn't I didn't ask so I really don't know actually <laughs> um, so we want you guys am to dm fam to play along with me and with Hayes tweet us and let us know which thing you think Hayes is lying about and use our hashtag obviously am to dm and now you have an incentive to watch the whole show because we're gonna reveal the lie at the end of the show You ready?
1: I'm so ready. Let's do this. Let's
0: do this. Let's start the show. Okay, on Thursday, Attorney General Jeff Sessions issued a statement in direct response to the recent wave of criticism for President Trump, defending his performance at the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations, Sessions wrote.
1: Well, Trump clearly had something to say about that, going on a Twitter tear this fine Friday morning, directed squarely at Sessions in a greatest hits of complaints. In a two-part tweet, he said, <clears throat> <laughs> Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations. Jeff, this is great, what everyone wants, so look into all of the corruption on the quote, other side, including deleted emails, Comey lies and leaks, Mueller conflicts, McCabe, Struck, Page, or...
0: Part two of abuse, Christopher Steele and his phony and corrupt dossier, the Clinton Foundation, illegal surveillance of Trump campaign, Russian collusion by Dems, and so much more. Open up the papers and documents without redaction? Come on, Jeff, you can do it. The country is waiting.
1: It is a regular war of the words in Washington these days. To help us make sense of what's happening here, we're bringing the district to New York. BuzzFeed News' DOJ correspondent, Dominic Holding, joined us in the studio.
2: Good morning, Dom.
0: Jobs actually, here I, here I am. am. This is so exciting. It's like
2: a little beltway right in Manhattan.
0: <laughs> okay. That's what we've always wanted. A I can,
2: dream. A I dream. I can feel
0: the swamp just coming in. Coming you know, in and wafting off of you.
1: That's what my dates say.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so first and foremost, how
2: weird is it for a president to be fighting in public with his attorney general like this? I mean, it's about as normal as everything else in the Trump White House, <laughs> um, which is to say it's utterly bonkers, right? Right. Um, since we have seen the guilty verdicts in the Manafort case and the guilty uh, plea in Cohen's case, Trump has deflected as he often does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know his campaign sent something out with his like racist campaign against the NFL and the national anthem issue. He brought up this issue of white. South African farmers, you know, so he, like he pulls on these sort of racial racial themes mm-hmm. uh, to distract people. And today he is rehashing all of this old stuff from the Justice Department. And as we know, a lot of this has already been addressed by the Justice Department. They've looked into the Clinton emails. They have the office of, Office of Special Counsel looking at the FISA claims. Mm-hmm. So. We're sort of seeing Trump dig through old issues as a way to make another dig at Jeff Sessions, and that's very weird.
0: So what has Jeff Sessions done to get so much hate or this beat down publicly <laughs> from his boss? Because we've seen this a lot, but is he that bad of an attorney general?
2: I mean, if you are a conservative and you love Trump's policies, Jeff Sessions is a dream of an attorney general. He was one of the first endorsers of the Trump campaign, and in, uh, in this position... He has advanced all of these issues that trump's love: these crackdown on sanctuary cities, mm-hmm. these anti LGBT policies, longer mandatory minimum sentences. So he should be someone that Trump and the Trumpies love. But the issue is that even though Sessions is very political about policy he really has a a strong standard for himself when it comes to criminal prosecution. Mm -hmm. So he loves to put people in prison. He doesn't care if it's a young black man with a tiny bit of pot, Mm -hmm. or if it's a very powerful banker, he would send himself to prison if he committed (laughs) a crime. Like he just lives for it. (laughs) And he sees himself as a bulwark for the rule of law, and moreover, for empowering the DOJ as a law enforcement, entity to have more power. And so it doesn't matter if it's going to be someone in Trump's administration mm-hmm. or some like unfortunate guy caught up in a drag down on the street. Sessions is going to prosecute them, and he's not going to waver. And that's going to upset Trump, even though Sessions is one of the best, most effective people in his cabinet. So in another tweet today,
1: Trump called out the jailing of former NSA contractor reality winner over, quote, mm-hmm. small potatoes
2: instead of going after Hillary Clinton. What's your take on that? I mean, what what Sessions is doing is cracking down on a leak to the press. And mm. ultimately, reality winner who did leak these documents uh, exposing some uh, Russian interference could end up spending more time than people like Manafort or Cohen. Mm. Um, So you see that Sessions taking on this issue that Trump should love, but Trump is throwing back this sort of old garbage about reopening investigations in order to deflect and distract from his own associates.
0: Yeah, you would think that Trump would love that reality winner would be getting this really harsh sentence for something that he presumably hates, or he tells us he hates.
2: Yeah, he's not a reality winner himself. (laughs) Sorry.
0: So everyone keeps tweeting. I feel like every time this comes out about Sessions, everyone, all the blue checks love to tweet this is it for Sessions, he mm. might get fired, blah, blah, blah. But he's still here. He's actually made it a lot longer than a lot of the other people in Trump's administration. So do you think either enough's going to be enough and he's going to leave? Do you think that we're going to get a new attorney general? Is he going to get fired? What do you think?
2: I mean, I will consult my my crystal ball of vodka. <laughs> um, you know, nobody knows. Anyone who tells you they know what's going to happen is absolutely lying to you unless they're like inside the Justice Department, yesterday media outlets were filming and tweeting about Sessions going to the White House for a pre-scheduled meeting over prison reform, even video of him leaving as if this was some sort of very certain sign that he was gone. We don't know. Getting rid of Sessions would be tremendously difficult for Trump. Reappointing a new attorney general would be a mess in the Senate. And Sessions loves the DOJ. Before he was the attorney general on the Senate floor, he called it my beloved Justice Department. So you're going to need a crowbar to get him out of there. He's a barnacle. And unless Trump feels that he can politically get rid of Sessions without turning up the heat on himself, he's not going to get rid of Sessions, and Sessions isn't going to leave.
0: All right. So we might he might be sticking around. So we have another story to talk to you about. But before we move on, we want to hear from you Twitter. Have you ever been called out publicly by your boss? Tweet us using the hashtag #AMtoDM. So while you're with us, we wanted to talk about another story that's maybe a little more local to us here in New York. And Mm -hmm. super
2: gay. Yeah. Super gay.
0: Very. So it's about the country's top LGBT group campaigning against New York gubernatorial candidate Cynthia Nixon. So can you walk us through exactly what's going on?
2: Okay. so the Human Rights Campaign Mm -hmm. loves to bill itself as the biggest LGBT organization in the country. Um, They've had a bit of a difficult rap, though. you know, you go to their seasonal galas, and most of the crowd looks like a men's suit catalog. And so people look to them to see if they are a diverse organization, if they are supporting the issues, not just mainstream like marriage, but the sort of fringe issues that can affect some of the more marginalized parts of the LGBT population. So that's like the context for it. And then THE NEW YORK GOVERNOR'S RACE GIVES THEM AN OPPORTUNITY TO Mm -hmm. WALK INTO A VERY CLOSELY WATCHED DEMOCRATIC PRIMARY. AND WHAT THEY DID WAS THEY ENDORSED GOVERNOR CUOMO, WHO'S BEEN GREAT ON LGBT ISSUES AND HAS GONE UP AGAINST TRUMP. HE SHOULD BE A VERY GOOD DEMOCRAT. THE PROBLEM IS HE'S RUNNING AGAINST A BISEXUAL WOMAN, CYNTHIA NIXON, STAR FROM SEX IN THE CITY, WHO'S BEEN INVOLVED IN THE MARRIAGE FIGHT FOR A LONG TIME. AND SHE IS A PROGRESSIVE. SHE WANTS TO FIX THE NEW YORK CITY SUBWAY SYSTEMS AND HAS a plan to do it wants to legalize pot. Mm -hmm. And so people look to HRC's endorsement as sort of a sign of where the LGBT movement is going. So to support Cuomo and snub Nixon to them is a sign that they're really out of touch with their progressive LGBT base.
1: But isn't Cuomo himself a supporter of LGBT rights? I mean LGBTQ plus
2: rights even, I would say. Absolutely he is. He was instrumental in passing the marriage law several years ago, and Nixon has said as much. And when you have an organization like HRC, they say, he has stood with us, and so we're gonna stand with him. issue, though, that some of the critics have is that Cuomo has meanwhile empowered certain moderate Democrats in the New York Senate okay. to partner with Republicans, thereby blocking progressive bills, including a bill that would protect transgender people from discrimination. Mm-hmm. So while he's been good on LGBT issues, some people say his alliance with Republicans has made the New York state government less protective of LGBT people than it should be.
0: But isn't, everyone says Nixon's campaign is such a, it's such a long shot, right? So aren't they just kind of covering their own asses here with picking someone that, I mean, if they pick Nixon, they would be really sticking their necks out for someone who everyone says probably isn't going to win, right?
2: Nixon is not an experienced candidate. She doesn't have a lot of, uh, she doesn't have time in government. Um, she has very little money compared to Cuomo, and her polling numbers are very, very low. Um, Cuomo, in addition, is known to be quite vindictive to progressives who cross his path, and HRC, of course, does not want the wrath of someone who's going to be that powerful, and those concerns should be taken into consideration. You want a practiced player in government who knows how to pull the levers of power, make it happen for your team. At the same time, there are critics who are gonna say that the role of an organization is to represent its membership and its base and the people who rely on it. And that sometimes means taking a risk, supporting someone who supports your values and not just trying to stay in the folds of power and donations and money.
0: It's a very interesting race, Dom. Thank you so much for coming on IRL to talk about these very interesting
2: topics. It's very good to have a little bit of DC here in New York with you.
0: (laughs) Always, always.
2: Thank
1: you so much, Dom. We have an incredible show for you today. Stephanie is sitting down with Juliana Rancic later in the show, but first, I'm going to try my hand at Fire Tweets.
0: Can't wait. It's going to be great. All right, Hayes, you've made it through the A Block. What do you think? Are you feeling good?
3: My
1: adrenaline is up, I've learned so much about the Department of Justice, and I'm ready to to get some fire tweets out there.
0: Awesome. Okay, well this is the most important part of the show, so take it away.
1: Okay, so, ready. (laughs) Fire tweet. Daniel Ortberg. Me, when a movie shows a character reading a letter. Oh. Fuck yes, show us the letter, show us the letter. Me when the shot switches over their so- shoulder so we can read the letter ourselves.
0: Oh fuck yes, it's the character's letter. This just reminds me <laughs> of the meme with uh, the Christmas Prince when she's taking oh the God. journalism note, notes. notes <laughs> note, <folks. laughs> okay, I'm gonna try to match your enthusiasm with I the button because I've been criticized for not showing enough oomph. Give it. Grace Lee. I just saw a Tumblr post that called the Trojan horse a murderous piñata, and my life will never be the same. That's a good point.
1: Right? Mine neither. I will always remember that moving forward.
0: I know, I know, right?
1: Okay, here we go. (laughs) Shin the Bird, inventor of glass. Let's make one thing clear.
0: Wah, 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 wah. people are it. so funny I,
1: that's a pun you see
0: oh it's not a pun I, I, is I that would... a, oh good yeah, that's good to are. know okay <laughs> awesome <laughs> all right you ready yes Jihanian. if you want millennials to come to hooters put some real life owls in there this is not a joke tweet
1: as it shouldn't be i would Definitely go to an actual owl-themed restaurant. We've got barn owls. We've got great horned owls. Whatever you want, come to Hooters.
0: I know, I know. I think this is because there was this tweet earlier this week where they were talking about how millennials have killed Hooters.
1: I mean, rightfully so. And I think
0: it says a lot about our generation that we definitely would, like, way rather go to an owl restaurant than a boob restaurant. (laughs) I think think that we are evolving as people. As a
1: species, really. Okay, so here we go. Next one.
0: McMansion
1: Hell! Somebody wolf whistled at me twice on my walk to the coffee shop, and when I turned around to give him what for, it was a fucking mockingbird.
0: Okay, we love you, McMansion Hell. I call bullshit. I don't think this really happened.
1: I pray in my soul that it did happen. Just because though. I
0: don't, I don't let, know. I've just never seen like a mockingbird.
1: I what? Are they a they exist, and b I want this to be real so badly. Let me have this, Stephanie. I will. Let me have just this. Just because it's
0: your first day hosting, I'll let you have this. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Just Gondelman. The guy next to me on this flight requested two gins, one tonic. And now I'm worried we're on the cusp of another swing revival.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't mind that too badly. I mean, the outfits are terrible, but I really liked the music when that came around last time. But then again, I was like, eight, nine when that happens, so.
0: I mean, when you're that age, you're like really into swing.
1: Oh, of course. Who doesn't love a good brass band when you're a child? Okay. We have
0: a very special tweet for Tweet of the Day.
1: Yes. We're
0: gonna do a dramatic reading. You ready to hit it?
1: I am so ready. For this Tweet of the Day from Elvis Presley, here we go. You gotta hit the
0: button. Boom!
1: bring. Olson, Olsen Olsen Mystery Agency!
0: We solve any crime by dinner time. He says his wife's been shot. Hang up, hang up, hang up! Click! <laughs> <laughs> I love the Olsen twins!
1: They were ahead of their time in all in forms of VHS fashion. marketing.
0: Fashion. Crime solving. Birthday parties. Selling
1: brothers. <laughs>
0: Brothers for sale. Uh, To grandmother's house they go. Double double toil and trouble. Yes, I can name every single one.
1: Wow, impressive. I
0: think they're telling me to please shut up now. So up next, you're going to talk to Ryan Broderick about more Trump tweets.
1: Yes, we are. Stay tuned. So fun. Late Wednesday night, Trump surprised us all by tweeting about Africa for a change, writing, I have asked Secretary of State Pompeo to closely study the South Africa land and farm seizures and expropriations and the large-scale killing of farmers. South African government is now seizing land from white farmers. And here is a tweet from our own Joe Bernstein in response. This has been a slash Paul and a stormfront meme forever and a hobby horse of racial nationalists everywhere. Unreal. Joining me now is an expert on these dark corners of the internet, Ryan Broderick. Hi Ryan. Hi. So, thank you for joining us. So, Ryan, what is the backstory on this meme, I guess, if we can call it that?
4: Right. So, I first sort of started noticing things about the white genocide in South Africa meme, I guess if you'll Mm -hmm. call it, probably about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Mm -hmm. I was following this white nationalist YouTuber named Lauren Southern. Mm And at the time she was going around the world and sort of digging up conspiracy theories that right wing far right activists were sort of peddling Mm -hmm. and making YouTube videos about them. So she started making videos, started talking about this and in that world of like far right YouTubers, Mm -hmm. which is 2018, so of course that's a world. Of course. uh, They all copy each other. Mm -hmm. They all jump on the hot new thing. Right. And it got a ton of play when a British right wing columnist, Katie Hopkins, went down to South Africa and put even more fuel on it okay and then over the last 6 to 9 months we've seen this process where fox news will dig through basically like the trending fascist garbage of the internet right. and then explain it to boomers. Mm. So that's how we get the YouTuber to Donald Trump pipeline.
1: Okay, so when this first aired, it was from uh, Tucker Carlson was speaking about it. Is this like oh, yeah. a brave new world for him to be digging into white to the
4: white farmers in South Africa? It's so inevitable that this would have happened. Like yeah. when I saw it, I was like, of course that happened. Mm-hmm. You can almost set your watch by it nowadays. And it's sort of reminiscent of a few years ago, you had these armies of 22-year-olds digging through trending stories and writing them up for the internet. Mm-hmm. Fox News is doing that exact same thing right now. Okay. I, I would say once a week, they're pulling something that I've seen on Stormfront, on 4chan, on Reddit, mm-hmm. putting a little gloss on it, putting it through Tucker Carlson's mouth, and then we all have to deal with it. Right.
1: So. Here's a tweet from CNN's Keith Boykin. From 1948 to 1994, the white minority in South Africa ruled under apartheid and denied basic rights to the black majority. From 1962 to 1990, they imprisoned Nelson Mandela. More than two decades later, whites are 8.9% of the population but still control 72% of private farmland. I guess, how has South Africa reacted to all of this mess and attention
4: from the United States? Well, I'm sure there are white nationalists in South Africa who are psyched. Right. Um, that's sort of <laughs> This works, right? I these conspiracy theories—they're always based on completely half-baked takes, you know, uh, right-wing newspaper clippings that they find on the internet, and they they cobble these things together. And they're ba- obviously they're going to go to South Africa because it's mm-hmm. it's just a natural pressure point for people who want to push this sort of agenda. Mm-hmm. The fact that Donald Trump has waded into it is—it's—it's it's a strange feeling because he's basically just like a giant megaphone mm-hmm. and whatever dumb crap you put into his mouth he'll just spew out right. louder than it was before. So now like as that tweet pointed out, we have this completely unfounded, you know, th- uh, conspiracy theory about white people in South Africa mm-hmm. and the whole world's talking about it, which is exactly what these kinds of people want us to do.
1: I mean, I guess what's the next step from here? Like what happens now that this megaphone has been has gone off? What how will the white nationalists actually
4: take this a step further, do you think? I mean, I'll be honest, like I used to be <laughs> I used to be uh, very uh, sensitive to this stuff, being mm-hmm. like, oh man, the world's falling apart, this is all crazy. But most likely people are just gonna forget. And that's like the craziest thing because these, these I, I don't wanna say activists, but these mm-hmm. bad actors, these uh, these far right sort of trolls and um, incendiary folks, they they wanna just keep pushing this thing and it's, Gonna feel very non-linear, I think, over the next couple of years as we're just bombarded with these things. You know, you hear these stories about like uh, sex attacks in Sweden right. or video clips of migrants storming a fence, and it's completely blurry and unfounded, and God knows where they they got it. Mm-hmm. But they keep coming at it, and eventually, kind of the way I feel, and I'm sure a lot of people on Twitter feel, you'll just get beaten down by it, right. and you won't even think about it. And that's when the that's when the truly scary stuff happens. So, you know. My advice would be stay as angry as humanly possible all of the time, and eventually we'll all die.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Happy Friday everyone. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. More up, more AM to DM is up next.
5: The Cut's fashion market editor made waves with this story for The Cut's first ever print fall fashion issue. Everywhere and nowhere, what it's really like to be black and work in fashion. Lindsay joins me now and I'm super excited. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I was reading this piece yesterday on the train. Also, like when I was off the train walking in New York, like on my phone, loving <laughs> into people. It was so good. Thank you. You talked to... Over a hundred people: Tracy Ellis Ross, Tyra Banks, uh, literally like everybody. Julie Wilson yeah. from Essence. Yeah. Um, what inspired
6: you to to write this piece? Um, I, I've actually had this idea for a while. I okay. think it's just it's just never been done to talk to everyone. And mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it was just such an ambitious project that it felt like the right time. Uh, with Virgil being at Vuitton and Edward Enninful at British Vogue, it just felt like you know, what better time than right now?
5: Right. And I was really um, surprised by how candid people were. People were really honest. Were there any responses that really shocked you or just blew you away?
6: I was really surprised at how many people just were so emotional Mm -hmm. and really started crying. And I mean, big name people just were really frustrated. And I think that's really eye opening when people who even have a name or an established in the industry are really struggling and, and, and feeling like they're neglected.
5: Right. What do you feel like some of the obstacles are? Some of those glaring obstacles that people of color in the fashion industry still face?
6: Yeah, I mean, racism is alive and well and, yep. and everywhere. But I do think that um, you know it just plays a certain part in fashion because so many things are tied to that, whether it be your class or your economic status and your pedigree and you know what magazine you're able to intern at and being able to afford the clothes and right. look the part. It's just such a tangled web of politics that I think. Um, You know, it just affects people of color at every level that are trying to be in fashion.
5: Yeah. And speaking of that, some of the people in the story actually decided to remain anonymous. Yeah. Because it is (laughs) such a tangled web. Things get tricky. You could get blacklisted if you say the wrong thing. Yeah. So um, why do you think some people chose to...
6: To be, to to maintain their you know yeah i mean i respect everyone's point of view and opinion and and they have the right to do that i mean a lot of people even reached out to me and said oh you know you should be so worried for your job like this is such a big deal like what if people don't want to hire you but i think we just can't be afraid anymore we have to speak our truth and and that's the point of this story for
5: sure so after beyonce's Vogue cover brought the total to 16 black women on september covers CNN International sends out this very questionable tweet, the Wakanda effect. Black women are dominating magazine's covers covers this month. Um, first of all, what? Like, let's just take a moment to dissect that.
6: Uh, have you seen that tweet? I did and, not see that tweet, but that's okay. stupid. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's... Um, You know, I just hope that this isn't a fad. And I hope, I think what you're seeing with this story is that so many people want to be in control behind the scenes and actually make decisions so that diversity is always a priority and it's not just a, hey, it's Black History Month.
5: Are you hopeful? Do you feel like, because I have moments where I'm like in and out and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this is amazing. It's a movement. It's a moment. Things are changing. And then next season, yeah, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. Um, so are you hopeful? Do you think this is here to stay, you know, diversity and inclusion as it should be? Or do you think it's a
6: fad? I'm honestly on the fence. I okay. think that a lot of people from talking to them and just hearing a lot of the anonymous things they had to say, it was really just frightening and just scary. A lot of the things that... VPs of brands that we love and buy and stand for, you know, are just saying really inappropriate things. And so I think it's hard, because a lot of people that are in control, I don't think really care. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there are people that are just waiting and and being patient. And when their time is right, you know, they'll be able to actually implement those things that we've been fighting for. Right. Um, So in the intro, you brought up a lot of factors that contribute
5: to the lack of representation in this space. One of those was colorism, which is, you know, so real. What do you think and it's so hard to like pinpoint a solution because obviously like this issue has existed long before you and I were even a thought. Right. <laughs> so um but what would you say the solution is or at least a step in the right direction so that we can
6: have more representation even within people of color. Yeah. I mean, the colorism aspect was so interesting because people didn't want to talk about it. Yes. And people were really like, oh, I, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. But I think that's the point. Like, we have to push the conversation on the things that we have group texts about with our girlfriends. We have to push the conversation about things that we are frustrated about and trying to figure out. And honestly, I just think we need to be more open and honest that, like, colorism is real even yes. in our community as black people. Yeah.
5: Um, you also shouted out Dapper Dan, who yeah. I love. Called <laughs> him a proud fashion outlaw, which yeah. is like that should be in his Instagram bio. Yeah,
6: but uh, <laughs> it should be
5: honestly. Yeah. What uh, What do you think the fashion industry should learn from Dapper Dan?
6: Oh, I mean, give credit where credit is due, Mm -hmm. instantly. Like, I don't think that that's hard, and I think that a lot of people can say things can go on a mood board and maybe the image came from somewhere, but you know it comes from somewhere. And I think it's just taking that extra step to be like, okay, so, like, this may have come from a person that I don't know, but that doesn't mean that that person isn't important. Like, let me look into this. Let me take that next step and just being considerate.
5: Right. So... In the spirits of Follow Friday,
6: who are some of the people in fashion that we should all be following? I said um, one, Reco Mundi, she's a designer that I'm obsessed with, she's so talented, um, she dresses a lot of celebrities, but she's just so creative and, and somebody that I really admire. Um, a few of the editors that were featured in the piece, uh, Rajni Julie from Essence, Rajni's um, you know allure and Teen Vogue, uh, Michaela Angela Davis, who's just been like a force uh, for black women in fashion for so many years. I love her, so I love all of them.
5: Yes, yeah. same, and we love you also. follow Lindsay. <laughs> um, and thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Make sure you check out Lindsay's piece in the Cuts print fall fashion issue. We'll also tweet out the link right now. And up next, it's still Follow Friday. Stephanie is back with another fashion themed follow to check out.
0: It's been a super long week on Twitter, so let's celebrate one of the funniest things to cross the timeline in a while. Take a look.
3: What you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue, it's not turquoise, it's not lapis, it's actually cerulean.
0: Please welcome Bowen Yang, co-host of the Last Culturistas podcast, and our Follow Friday. Hi, Bowen, we have you? not had a Follow Friday in a while, so really? it should mean a lot to you that we are bringing you on to get everyone to follow you because your videos are amazing.
7: Thanks, thanks. Well, I feel very, um, I feel very blessed to be in this hallowed internet space and have a Follow Friday. So
0: thank you. <laughs> So how did you get the idea to lip sync to these iconic cultural moments? Yeah, uh,
7: I was doing this, um, it was called an inner beauty pageant, it was a comedy show but the whole conceit of it was that it was like an inner beauty pageant and I had to figure out a talent and I didn't know what to do but then I was like oh I know the whole Tyra Banks we were all rooting for you like tirade pretty well and so I just committed the whole six minutes of that to memory and then I did that at the show. And then, like years later, I was like, I'll just put this on Twitter and, and just for fun. And then it, and then it just sort of took off. It was fun.
0: Yeah. So back uh, in May, you posted that video and it went yes. super viral. When did you start to notice that it was going viral? What was your sign that it was getting big?
7: I don't know. I think, um, I think after like some like reputable drag queens started retweeting it, Stacy Lane Matthews got it on the ground floor. Uh, these like RuPaul's Drag Race like legends who just like. Gave it, gave it like a little endorsement. I was like, oh, this might be like, this might be a fun little thing that's just niche within like a certain community. But then it sort of like expanded out of that too, which was really cool.
0: So now by this point you've done Tyra, you've done Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich, Grey's yeah. Anatomy, uh, obviously Alexis Nyers. Yes. The queen of my heart. Oh my God. Um, and now you're going viral for your Meryl Streep impressions. So you started with that one, which yeah. was for this contest and then you Went viral, so that you did. Did you just start doing more, or how did you? I,
7: yeah, I started doing more things that like meant something to me. And then the Alexis Nizer one was interesting. I never, I never latched onto that as it was happening, but like I just watched it years later. I was like, this is a crazy thing. Oh,
0: it was my everything at the time and to this day.
7: It's it's like pure emotional vulnerability. It's wonderful. But no, I'm just I started sort of taking requests. And then I have to sort of vet them myself and see. Oh, would this work? Does this have enough going on?
0: Can you still do Alexis Nyers?
7: Right or? now? No. It's it's so much. She's like.
0: It's so much. She's
7: hysterical. And it's it, you. I really, like, had to, like, get I into deep. I had to dig deep. It was crazy.
0: I know. OK, so you tweeted, one thing I have to have, t- I have to say, is that Meryl's characterization is way more intense than I. And I think most people realized everything about her mouth is still. And I'm probably being too expressive in the vid. Her jaw is clenched, it's a lot, it's masterful. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, how do you prepare for a video like that? Do you just watch the scene over and over?
7: Yeah, so usually what I do is I do do two different sittings, Um, and each of them takes like a few hours, and then the first one is just about breaking it up into chunks, and just like doing it in some more manageable way and getting the words down. And then the second one, is when we go to film, and uh, <laughs> we being me, uh, and it's just about like seeing what the best ways are to push air through your mouth, facial things like I don't know, like putting your just putting things like in, it's about placing things. It sounds crazy, but that's it's sort of what it takes.
0: So I saw that you got quoted by Chrissy Teigen, which yeah. like is pretty incredible. She
7: is all of Twitter. It's 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 wild.
0: What was it like when you saw that?
7: Because uh, I woke up to it. Because she was she must be on. LA time or Fiji time wherever that wherever the hell she is, um, I was like, oh my god, this is okay, okay, cool, this is cool, and um, yeah, it was really it was really nice of her to to do that. Thanks, Christy.
0: <laughs> so are you t- <laughs> are you taking requests? What's your next video?
7: I don't know. I I'm, I got the the requests are coming in. They're great. Uh, I've gotten one, uh, Sally Field, the graveyard scene in Steel Magnolias. Um, I've gotten uh, Julianne Moore freaking out at the pharmacist in Magnolia. Oh, another Magnolia film. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know what? Like, sky's the limit. We'll, we'll see what I do. I'm not sure. I really don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, There's no topping this one. I, th- I think this is such a hard one to top.
0: Well, obviously, everyone has to follow you. Sure. So they can see mm. what you do next.
7: Wow. Yeah, that's true. So follow Friday. Yes.
0: follow Friday. Mm. Gotta do it. You gotta do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bowen. Thanks, Stephanie. Be sure to listen to the La recess podcast and follow him at Bowen Yang. Up next, Hayes and I will respond to more of your tweets. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with Juliana Rancic, who is returning to E! News this fall. Yes. Juliana, thank you so much for coming on. And we're so excited to see you back at E! Thank you for having me, Stephanie. So you left in 2015. Yes. uh, To focus on your family. Yes. And now you're coming back. So Mm -hmm. why
3: now? Why now? It just felt like the right time, you know. I left a few years ago. It was actually three years ago last week uh, that I left, and I I went. You know, the reason I left was I wanted to move to Chicago. Um, it was kind of a you know deal my husband and I had. We always knew we were going to do that. That when our son was entering school, we would move to Chicago, where my husband's from, where we have restaurants, we have a lot of friends there, and a home there. Um, and so yeah, it was incredible moving back um, to Chicago and really being able to to be a mom and a wife. And, um, but I didn't let go of work altogether. I was still doing red carpets for E and specials for E. So, um, that was great, and also I was able to build some other businesses that I had been working on that I really wanted to take to the next level. Like our restaurants, my husband and I launched a Prosecco, I have a clothing line. Um, so a few different things that I wanted to focus on. And so now coming back, it just felt like the right time. You know, I'd been doing more and more with E! this past year, and an o- the opportunity came to, um, you know, came up to, to host E! News, and Jason Kennedy, who is uh, the anchor of E! News, who has been for a while now, Um, is a very, very dear friend. He's one of my absolute best friends. And so the opportunity to anchor with him, uh, you know, just couldn't resist that.
0: Obviously, we're all very excited to see you back, but I think we're even more excited to see you and Jason reunited. You guys have so many, uh, you have such a great chemistry. You work so well together. So, you know, why do you think you guys have such a special dynamic that really makes you an amazing hosting team
3: together? You know what I think it is? We are legitimately, truly... Best friends. Um, you know, Jason started at E about 13 years ago. I've been there for about 16 years. Um, I can't even believe I'm saying that. It's been a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> I started very, very young. Um, and we have been like family since the beginning. You know, Jason is very, very good friends with my husband. I'm really good friends with Jason's wife, so it's it's truly family. We consider them family, and we vacation together. Um, we've literally been on probably ten trips together. So I think that's a big part of it. Is it's a very, very authentic relationship. You know, we just know each other so well because we hang out together all the time. And so you guys are doing the, the Emmys, Emmy's together, together, right? We are doing the Emmys together next month, uh, and so yeah, we'll be there on the red carpet and you know e is you know when it comes to award shows i mean E's incredible you know we're in 160 countries um so we have a lot of cameras on the red carpet because we know there are a lot of people tuning in from all over the world and uh so it's been you know it's it's so cool that we'll be doing that red carpet together but we've done it for a few years now together so it'll be fun
0: as you said you've been gone for three years exactly yeah and I think it's really interesting because the entertainment industry in Hollywood has really changed yeah. in those three years you've been gone. Yeah. Uh, last year we had Kat Sadler. She said she's left at E! News because she discovered a huge pay gap between her and Jason. Do you think E still has more work to do in addressing some of those issues?
3: I think that E is, look, I can speak from my own experience with E, and I've been there a very long time, as I mentioned. Uh, E has been an incredible place to work. Um, You know, I have been you know, I, I've had an incredible journey there, and um, and I love it, you know, and, and everyone I know who works there, um, you know, we've talked about it, and we've all, you know, just had, are very lucky to have great experience there. And I think that, you know, in terms of the red carpet, what's nice about E is people feel like we, they know the incredible platform we have, and that we have so much reach. And I think that's what makes it so special is that people can come to us on the red carpet and talk about not just their latest project, but also what's really important to them and the causes that are really important to them as well. And so I think we give you know people a great platform to do that.
0: Even though you left three years ago, mm-hmm. I think when I think E! News, I think Juliana. Mm-hmm. And you. you are such a big part of E! and the brand, I would say you're probably the most recognized person from E! What has it been like when the network has been dealing with these issues to be kind of that face of the brand? And how do you deal with that burden on your shoulders?
3: Well, I think, you know, the, the thing I can do is really speak from my experience. Um, And obviously, you know, I, I mean, people see me on E and they see I have a huge smile on my face. Um, And we have so much fun, you know, and I think that that's why people love talking to us and coming to us is because we can have fun. And I think that's what viewers ultimately want to see as well. You know, they want to see that side of their favorite celebrity. And Obviously, you know, hear about their projects and the work they're doing, but also that really, you know, great human side of them as well, and see that, hey, they have a sense of humor, or, you know, they're like me in so many ways. And so um, I think that that makes it a really special place, you know. And there's a reason I've been there for such a long time. I mean, there's a lot of places I could be, um, and it's truly a home to me. And I work with incredible people. I mean, a phenomenal team. You know, very intelligent, very creative, very driven people um, who have built an incredible brand, you know, and so I'm, I'm very lucky to have been a part of that.
0: Last year, I think, was the one of the first years that we really saw a lot of female celebrities speak out about the red carpet and say, hey, don't ask me about my dress, or do ask me about mm-hmm. my dress. Like, you know, we all still love to talk about dresses, obviously, yeah. but also ask me about other issues. Yeah. Uh, in the midst of the Harvey Weinstein, Me Too stuff, how are you changing how you approach the red carpet in this era, and what are some things that you feel like you can do to make the red carpet a little different than it was in the past?
3: You know, I think, you know, as a as a journalist, um, when I prepare for the red carpets, I look at kind of, you know, of course, the climate and what's happening and I welcome it. You know, I welcome the opportunity for people to come to me and not just talk about uh, fashion or beauty, which trust me, a lot of people love to talk about too. And a lot of viewers want to hear about too. But I think, you know, being a good reporter, you can do both, right? I mean, you can ask those questions, but you can also, you know, dig deeper when the time comes and when you need to, or when someone wants to talk about something deeper, you can make that transition. And I think that that's really important. It's part of being a good journalist. And, And the way I do it is I'm in the present. I'm always in the present on a red carpet. So it's funny because people have asked me in the past, like, They'll say, how do you prepare for red carpet? You, you know, go over so many notes and so much research. And look, I, of course I do. You know, Of course I'm prepared in terms of the, the projects and the material that I'm gonna be talking to people about. But also I make sure that I'm not too prepared because I wanna be in the moment. So when you're talking to me about something that maybe I didn't know about, um, that I didn't know was gonna come up, that's important to you, I'm in the moment. I'm not looking at my card you know, thinking of the next question. Instead, I'm focused on you. And I'm listening to you because the more I listen to you, the more they listen, you know? So I think, um, it's really important, uh, to just be in the moment and allow people, you know, let people know that they have a place to talk and, um, and be heard, you know, because people all around the world, are listening to them so I think that um you know it's it's I love what we do and I love what we provide and we make sure that people know that we are a place where they can come and talk about whatever they want you know and that's what happens you never know what you're gonna you're gonna get you know
0: you've had such a long career obviously I'm in journalism as well yeah. and in broadcasting what's something that you've learned over the past years and is there anything you've learned over the past couple of years that you're going to change about going forward or what are some of uh, What is that like one thing Mm -hmm. you've
3: learned? Gosh, I mean, I've learned so much. But I think what's interesting, I mean, in terms of going back to E! News and really being able to watch um, from the outside, right? I mean, I was in it for so long. And then the past few years being able to observe as a viewer of the show and other entertainment news shows and just the entertainment industry in general, um, it's given me a really interesting perspective. I mean, as we all know, the landscape of of TV and and news and how we gather news, how we uh, put out news, has changed so much. How we consume news has changed so much. Um, So I have a lot of ideas in terms of, you know, what I wanna do when I go back to e-news. And, um, you know, we have great producers and we've all been having, you know, pretty much daily phone calls and meetings uh, to give people something fresh and new. Um, So I think that's probably the biggest thing I've learned is you have to be agile. You know, when, when you can't be stagnant, you have to be able to change when you need to change. And I think we're at a time right now where we need to change the way that, you know, we deliver news. Um, and uh, and we're certainly going to give people the best experience we can on eNews. news I mean, that's really my goal, is if you see a headline earlier in the day, on your Instagram um, we want to kind of dive deeper into that you know and Jason and I have great relationships you know we're talking about how on the set we just want to hey if we need to clear something up let's Skype someone or FaceTime someone um, just to it doesn't have to be the most perfect quality and but no one cares about that anymore you know that's not the priority anymore um, it's really about just the words right uh, so we just want to kind of take things to a different place and, and try some new things that not a lot of people are trying right now. So I think being agile is very important right now.
0: Very yeah. much. So I totally agree. Yeah, Juliana, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> thank you, on. Stephanie. We're I appreciate for it. You back. Thank you. Juliana returns to E News on September fourth. Up next, more AMC. DM. Hayes, you did it! We did it! We're done! Let's we do it. this! No. This is awesome! <laughs> it's Friday, Woo. have a great weekend coming up, and we yes. don't have to talk about the news for at least two days.
1: Two whole days of no, not scrolling through Twitter, though you should keep scrolling through Twitter, because Twitter's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, we can't wrap the show without finishing our game. At the yes. beginning of the show, if you weren't watching, we promised to answer. Hayes' two truths and a lie. And we had some really great guesses from you guys. Vanessa Safey guesses that she thinks the third one is the lie. And it looks like the majority of our viewers agree. They said, most people said they thought the third one was a lie, which was you had lived in 12 plus states. Okay, so drum bell please, which one's the lie?
1: They were right, they totally guessed it, that was a lie. I have not actually lived in a dozen states. I have lived in Michigan, Maryland, Virginia, the fine state of New York, and the half state of DC, so four and a half states. Wow. But um, Jurassic Park is amazing now and forever, and the and I definitely did model in. look at me. Of course I did model you in for that long. Yeah,
0: I loved, <laughs> uh, one of our colleagues, Emma O'Connor, tweeted and she said that she, uh, Thought it was really hilarious that at the point that she saw (sighs) the poll, 0% of people thought that the Model UN thing was a lie. So, apparently, it's really obvious you did Model UN. But I actually thought that it was number one, which was Jurassic Park, because it's just such an innocuous thing to lie about. I thought Mm. you were trying to, like, pull one over on
1: me. I mean, fair, but no. It holds up so, so well over the years, like a surprising amount. If you go back and watch Jurassic Park, you watch it. I could watch it at least a half dozen times in a row.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you were here today with me, and I'm so glad that we all got to know you a little better, Hayes.
1: Okay, so thank you to our guests, Dominic Holden, Ryan Broderick, Essence Gantz, Lindsay Peoples, Bowen Yang, and Juliana Randkick for joining us today. We had quite a show.
0: It was a big show. And next week on the show, Rob Riggle, Dave Pilkey, and Chris Coy will be here.
1: Saeed and David will be co-hosting the show on Monday. So, bye, everybody.
0: Bye. Have a good weekend.